Hey everyone, Fishing Kid here. Before we start on today's podcast, here's a word on behalf of our sponsor, Whisker Seeker Tackle. They offer a variety of lines including their high-performance braid, monofilament, and monofilament leader. Personally, I like running braid as my main line for its high breaking and knot strength, and a mono leader because mono is that much better at standing up to abrasion. I know some people prefer a monofilament main line for its abrasion resistance when fishing around rocks and trees. So whatever type of line you choose to go with, head on over to whiskerseeker.com and use coupon code BFF25 underscore line to save 25% on any of these lines between 12 a.m. January 18th, 2021 to 11.59 p.m. January 31st, 2021. I'll put the code in the description if you guys missed that. Hope you guys enjoyed today's episode and I'll see you guys later. Welcome to another episode of Beer Fish Fanatics. This is Grandy with Mopop Fishing, and we have a kit with the Fishing Kit YouTube channel. And today we have a special guest. Uh, actually, like I said, excited to because we we're just talking off air with him. Uh, we have Travis Harmon, he's the owner of Stan's Bait and Tackle out there in Milford. Uh, in case everybody's wondering, that's out in the IGLs, Iowa Great Lakes area. So, uh, thank you, Travis, for just joining us. Uh, appreciate it, sir. No problem. Appreciate it. So uh, first things first, I like to drink a beer because it is called Beer Fish Fanatics. And today um, I am I went back because the other day I actually swung by, picked up some beer from uh, Lucky Horse and and it's Carol Brewing donated from uh, Bruno again. So thank you so much, Bruno. I'm drinking the IPA today. What are you drinking, Kit? I'm going to start out light. I got the Carol light. Because it's light beer. <laughs> clever. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> what are you drinking there down there, huh? Uh, stay, uh, Travis? Just Bush Light. Nice. I'm Mr. Original. <laughs> the Iowa Classic. <laughs> Love it. The Iowa Classic. So cheers, gentlemen. And uh, I am drinking out of a, a koozie. We got the koozie going now, Kit. Yeah. Oh. So anybody, go go to oh, my pop fishing. Yeah, you're blocking it, man. <laughs> Yep. So if, uh, I'll, I'll send you one. All right, Travis, one of these koozies. Uh, no, that'll work. Yeah, we got we got one of these custom. I'll, I'll get it custom made. So uh, beer fish fanatics, go support us. Mypopfishing.com. Go buy yourself a koozie. Cheers, guys. Oh, oh, that's good. Nice and hoppy. Um, and like I said, I'm the reason, you know, the big reason why we, we brought on or, you know, asked Travis and, you know, definitely appreciate him giving us the time is that um, it's, you know, ice fishing season is coming and everything. And he's a he's a bait shop owner, at, you know, at Stan's Bait and Tackle. Can, can you just introduce us a little bit about you, your story a little bit, Travis, how you got into it and and just just tell us a little bit about you and, and the business, man. Well, we bought we bought Stan's Bait and Tackle. I think this is our four years ago. Uh, the bait shop's been in business since the mid '60s. Um, we're the third owners of it. We were just looking to get into a different business. I've always fished all my life. I guess my grandpa's what got me into it. Back when I was younger, when I was five six years old, he'd always take me out fishing for bullheads in the springtime. When I thought that was the king of all fish. Um, <laughs> You know, when you're five years old and you got that three inch uh, red and white bobber out there fishing for bullheads, you're, you 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 hit the big time for grandpa's with you, you know. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, ever since then, we've just been fishing more and more. Um, you know, I started fishing on my own probably as soon as I got 16 and got a car. That was pretty much the end of that, that story. Um, but we bought the bait shop about four years ago. Um, it's a bait shop we frequented long before we bought it uh, you know the Iowa Great Lakes is just kind of a special kind of place you guys come up there every year it's Okaboji always fish is different than about anywhere else in the country it seems like it, it, it can be really really rewarding and it can be a big heartbreak too and sometimes it's just a matter of course of a couple hours your fortune changes up there I, I really like watching people from out of town come up there you know thinking they're fishing grandpa's farm pond or uh, backwater bays in Minnesota or, or South Dakota and the tackle they use. And you get guys showing up to go ice fishing for bluegills with six or eight pound test and <laughs> a quarter ounce jig and expecting to catch a bluegill and, and watching their face and their progression as, as they become a better angler and fish it more and more. They get better at the uh, finesse techniques. Watching those guys figuring that out through the course of the stops in the shop. You know, when I start buying this and start, you know, 
when they first put on that one pound test line to start fishing, they get all nervous about it. And about the next day they come in the store and you see them buy five, six spools of one pound test line because they actually caught the fish they've been staring at for the last two weeks. That's <laughs> that's one of the things I love to watch every winter because guys just look at you. I think when they're from northern Minnesota or Wisconsin or something like that, and you tell them you got to start using one pound test, and you get the dumbest look you've ever seen in your life, but they figure it out. Yeah, you, you, you oh, just he, pretty much ex- explained me, man. <laughs> that was, I think, I think he just literally described me right there. <laughs> yeah, I'd like, never even consider one pound line. When you're fishing Boji, that's, I mean, we load up on hundreds of spools of one pound test every year. And every time I order it from one of our suppliers, they just, I, and it has yet to fail that when I order 100, 150 spools of one pound test line, one of the office gals or somebody will call and go, sir, uh, did you make a mistake on this order? And you have to explain to them, no, I really do need that much line in uh, one pound test. And they just go, you sure? Yeah, yeah, I'm positive. And uh, it's, I think that's the part of, that's the big draw for Okaboji is simply the challenge of it. You know, and if guys come up to Okaboji and they get good at fishing Okaboji, a good day of fishing at Okaboji can teach you more about technique or finesse fishing than anybody anywhere else in the country. When they take it back home, their home waters, there's a lot of lessons you can learn to make your home water fishing a lot better when you learn it from Boji. What do so, you guys always come up here fishing for in Boji? Um, I've hit Spirit Lake in, uh, I think, East Okaboji for, well, we hit Spirit for the yellow perch, and then we'd fish yellow bass on, I think it's East? Yep, they're on East and West. Yep piles of them out there this year again it looks like oh that's good to hear <laughs> yeah uh i think yeah every time we go up there um it, it, like you're saying though i i think it de- definitely humbles you because expectation is like oh i can't i'm gonna slay them and then one day it's like you're saying it's like holy crap i suck this i can't i can't <laughs> find a fish i can't get them to bite but then like you said something clicks and then once in a while you just get that rush of four hours of, of, of amazing fishery. And then you're like, okay, I got it down. It is just, you're right. It's just to kind of see that because um, I think it happened to me and, and my brother-in-law uh, I think two, two, two or three years ago, we were up there and that is exactly what happened. I mean, we were up there for maybe three or four days and three and a half days. We couldn't figure it out for the life of us. And then for some reason, that last day in the morning for four hours straight, my brother-in-law and me were just hammering him. So go figure. Yeah, I mean, there's the quality on the numbers and the quality for panfish and Okoboji just is over the last three or four years, it's just exploded. You know, I'm really looking forward to this winter. We've got a huge surge of crappies on East. This last spring when they were stacked up in the, in the flats spawning, and the pre-spawn, I took my three kids out and my wife, and in the course of less than three hours, we put over 100 crappies in the boat. Wow. Wow. I mean, it was just phenomenal. Well, this fall, I was hoping they were going to stack back up, but I go out scouting every day, um, every Wednesday for the shop, and we typically historically have a lead core bite on east in that basin, that big 20-foot basin in, in east, and that really never kicked off this year, but every time I was pulling – cranks through there trying to find a walleye you'd see just piles of crappies not big schools of them but there were a dozen two dozen here and there and they were just scattered everywhere in that basin thick as thieves and hopefully those fish will move up into some of the transition areas on on east and if they do it could be it could be a winter to remember if those things do move up because there could be some really good opportunities for a lot of guys to get into some nice crappies you know, I think a lot of that has to do with the curly pond leaf we've had. The curly pond leaf's just exploded in, in the east, and it's almost choked out parts of the lake. But the amount of habitat that's brought into the lake, I mean, if you're out there on the right day when, when the sun's right and it's calm, the amount of bluegill flats, about the size of your fun, thumbnail, bluegill flats, crappie flats, yellow bass flats, the amount of those is, is just tremendous out there. And some of those 10, 12-inch crappies you pull up, you go to clean them, it looks like a horror film. I mean, they've got <laughs> 10 or 12 bluegill flats or yellow bass flats in their belly, and you just can't believe they can eat more, but they're still going back for more. Huh. So, I mean, they've got the appetite, and hopefully they do this winter, if assuming the winter's actually going to show up. But 
it's looking promising. <laughs> yeah, it's uh. So normally, is is there a fishable ice uh, during a normal season? I think 2020 is just weird. Well, I don't think anything in 2020 has gone right for anybody. <laughs> I've yet to hear anyone say 2020 was a great year for them. In Iowa Great Lakes, you know, typically middle December is early. To, I mean, I've had it. I remember the first year we owned the shop, we were closed Christmas. And the day before, two days before Christmas, I drove around looking for ice. West and Spirit uh, were wide open. Minnewashta, which is one of the smaller lakes connected to the chain, uh, had maybe a quarter inch of skim ice on it. East was kind of that slushy stuff. Mm-hmm. And that was a Friday before Christmas. Christmas was on a Sunday that year, I believe, or a Monday. But the first, uh, day after Christmas, or the night of Christmas, Christmas, I went around and saw ice on all the lakes. So I got up at 3.34 o'clock in the morning to go ice check. So we'd have actual, you know, current reports for everyone coming in the shop. I remember finding five inches of ice grew in less than 48 hours. That's crazy. So You know, I mean, that, that lake can get really, really cold. Mm-hmm. And even this year, the lake temps are, even some of these cooler mornings when we're down to 15, 20 degrees, you don't see the lake hardly giving off much steam, which would indicate that it's ready to freeze. We just need Mother Nature to cooperate for three days in a row, and I think we're going to be starting to make ice. Yeah. When when we release this episode, there better be damn ice there because we, we plan to release this episode in 2021, a better year for all of us, hopefully. So there better be damn ice, and we better get up there, Kit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, my memory, which is pretty foggy sometimes, <laughs> I think there's only one or two years in my memory that we haven't had ice January 1st. And I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. The earliest I've ever been on the ice up here is I remember being out the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, but that was on some of the smaller water we got around here. You know, that smaller four foot water that's really protected. And there was question whether you should have even been out there. It was that two and a half, three inch ice. And you definitely didn't put two fat people next to each other on that ice because the water <laughs> come popping up through the hole. Oh boy. But, uh, you know, I, we're, we're going to be a little late. I don't think it's going to be as bad as what people think it's going to be. And the big thing is the lakes are so low that some of these real small pocket waters and shallow waters, they're just not fishable this year. Cause on a normal year, they're three foot and this year they're barely a foot. Wow. That, yeah. That that's going to make a, a big difference in regards to that because of the low waters for sure. So we'll see. Um, I, you know, I, I wanted to ask you a little bit more uh, because like we're, ta- we're talking, you know, offline a little bit, like fishing kid and myself, we know nothing about, ba- you know, owning a bait shop and everything. I mean, what, what is, okay. Cause you, you came into it, obviously not owning a bait shop previously. Right. So what do you do when, when you're owning a bait shop? What do you do? You're just, you, you're just selling bait. You're just selling fishing stuff. I mean, what, what does it entail? I guess, does it take to own a bait shop? What, you know, cause we, we're always about supporting local bait shops and local uh, uh, companies and businesses. So we want to know. So that way people can understand and why they should support local. The, the one thing that was when we bought the shop, uh, one of the suppliers told us, and I'll never forget this quote is, he goes, I'll warn you, the fishing industry is full of people that would be rather fishing than working. <laughs> and that is the key statement if there ever was. You know, everyone sees when I'm out in the shop or out in the floor, you know, talking to customers and telling big fish stories. That's that's the fun side of it. The real hard side of it is the amount of hours you have to spend on the phone scratching and digging and fighting to try to get, you know, Joe Blow to return your phone call to figure out where your freight's at, trying to figure out where the bait's coming from, where the good supply of bait is. The amount of time you have to spend on the phone and in the office, in the back office, that's something that kind of caught me off guard. I probably spend 10, 20 hours a week on the phone trying to find product, trying to find bait, trying to find this, trying to find that. There's a lot of hours trying to figure that out. This year has been one that kind of tests, I think, most independent bait stores. You know, and everyone's saying, you know, fishing – all the bait stores are making a fortune this year because of everyone going fishing and COVID. Well, if you had product in there, you could get it. But getting product right now is is almost impossible. You know, what's what's unique about our business that I find surprising and it kind of caught me off guard and it still does. The stuff that I want for ice fishing next ice season, those orders are going to have to be written and turned in January and February. 
So before we're all the way through this current ice season, we're already ordering product for next year. Wow. So most of our products for next year, my first order will go in January 10th, typically for next year for some of my suppliers, you know, some of them as late as March or April. So it's, it's able to, it's almost like buying the, running a stock market company because you're, you're trying to figure out what's going to be the hot next thing, what's going to work and knowing what your sales are and what, and what the accounting is behind it. I mean, it's an industry where numbers matter and there's a lot of studying numbers, trying to figure out how much you're going to bring in. Cause a lot of times you're placing product for the following year when you're not all the way through the year, that can be tough. You know, I mean, like last winter, when we came into bad, you know, we started getting all that snow in there and we're having to put ice orders in. We're trying to figure out what we're going to have for carryover, let alone what we're going to do for next year. And trying to figure out, you know, the big thing for the bait store for me is figuring out where the fish are going. Um, every Wednesday, I go out scouting for the shop, which everyone thinks is just a fun thing. Oh, you got to go fishing for a living. <laughs> the reality of that is, I mean, I have a lot of people that want to join in or jump in the boat or jump on the four-wheeler to go scouting with us. 90% of the time, they don't make it two hours before they jump off because <laughs> um, we're just constantly moving, trying to figure out bites. You know, this this local that's fished the lake for 20 years is whacking crappie up on Pillsbury Point. Well, yeah, the crappie are there, but man, you really got to have your presentation, your your presentation absolutely flawless. So it's it's figuring out how you can get the average fisherman on the bites to catch the fish, not the one or two percent of them. And the other thing is you've got to learn that there, there's a million different kinds of fishermen out there. You know, there's, like I talked to earlier, there's this guy that just wants to go fishing for bullhead with grandpa in the spring. And he's got a little, he's got a budget of 20 bucks to go fishing the rest of the year. And then you got the other guy that's a doctor or a lawyer and, you know, money is no object. And that's a whole different ball game on how to tailor your, your needs and your supplies for those, those different clientele. So, I mean, I guess what I'm trying to say is the biggest shock to me is how little time I actually spend out on the floor talking to the customers, talking to the people coming into the store, how much of it you spend um, in the back room of the shop trying to dial in bait, forecast. I mean, it seems like every week there's a hiccup, or multiple hiccups. The shipment from Europe on, on maggots or red worms or whatever it is got delayed in customs and is dead now. So then you got to figure out who got the shipment in from Europe and it's running through those phone calls, trying to figure out where you're going to get bait for that week. Just hoping you're going to get it hoping you have enough networks to do it. Yeah. There's a lot of, a lot of people that, and if they're, if you're here and there's a good bite up North or wherever, and you need to get a hold of that rep to get your bait, you're up, you're up a creek. You better have a plan B because he ain't answering his phone. He's fishing. <laughs> um, and I mean, we see that all the time. I started hearing about a bait the walleyes in this part of the country are just going suicidal and and that's my rep for so-and-so product and i really need to get a hold of him to get an order in and there ain't no getting a hold of him because he's fishing that week so <laughs> uh, you know it, it's trying to buy trying to deal with that balance uh, the bait shop's kind of the perennial factory where a five-minute job turns into a five-hour task um, <laughs> just because of all the hiccups and that but it's, it's also what makes it a challenge makes it fun too, you know, and it, and it's also the biggest reward is just getting people in there that are struggling and getting them on fish. You know, I mean, that's, that's something that probably will never get old about the job is seeing that little kid come up with grandpa or that little kid come up with mom or dad or whoever and actually catching fish, you know, the smiles in those kids. And my second favorite one is when husband and wives are going fishing and the husband knows everything. He's Mr. Super Fisherman. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the wife actually starts listening to what the bait shop has to say and she just waxes his butt that day. <laughs> and have her come back in there the next day and start gloating about how she kicked her husband's butt. I, you know, I feel bad for the guy to some extent because I've never been in that situation myself by any means. But, uh, <laughs> Yeah, you can kind of almost have empathy for the guy, but the other part is you're pretty proud of her for, for kicking her husband's butt, you know. And that that's always fun to me is, is watching those those success stories, and when those guys reach out with their families, and that and that's what really makes it worth it is watching you know the people that are coming up here, not sure about what they're getting into, yeah, and just watching them, you know, when they're coming up for vacation for a week, 
you can see how much you can develop one angler in a week on something that they're completely not used to and, and see how much you can get them to come outside the box they're comfortable with and they went first day out they caught a handful of fish second day they caught a few more and by that third or fourth day they're they've got it dialed in and they're whacking them you know and, and watching them progress through that learning curve through the day the, the days you see them is that's always fun to me it makes all the headache and heartache on the phone worthwhile to me anyways well i don't know if you read my mind or whatever travis but you just described me to a t a bit so my wife she she doesn't go ice fishing as often she's i don't think kit as actually fishing kids ever seen her ice fish but um yeah she she'd be that one that kicks my ass and her brothers would definitely be um next to us laughing because she would catch more than me and yeah thanks man (laughs) my daughter does it all the time i mean she i got a 10 year old daughter that'll walk through the store and she sees some weird ugly lure that i brought in there because some rep caught me on a weak moment or something stupid and i and i got it on the peg because i don't know why my daughter would pick it out i go we're not fishing with that honey it ain't gonna work and she just says, I'm going to try it, Dad. And she goes out there and just waxes them. I just have to look at her going, what the heck? How did I get outfished by a 10-year-old girl with that crappy lure? <laughs> but it's happened multiple times. I don't know if it's just beginner's luck or she just doesn't have the pre- preconceived notions that you and I do have on fish. I think that that helps. I think it is. I think we talk ourselves out of catching more fish than we ever have caught. Yeah, I feel like when you know so much information about something, you sometimes know too much and you overthink it. Like with the with the kid, they're just, you know, they're fresh. They're coming in like they're just doing whatever. They don't care. Like they don't follow any rules or whatever. They just go out, just do it, and then they succeed. Yeah, and I, I think that's what it is. I mean, our knowledge is our big, biggest weakness some days. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> Yeah, I can. Well, my knowledge is still very slim compared to you guys, but yeah, it, it, I can. It's the stubbornness in us, I think, um, in, in any fisherman. A lot of fish, whether beginner, old, new, um, a lot of fishermen can be stubborn at times. I agree with you on that, that they, they stay to a, a specific lure or a specific technique all the time. Like, nope, this worked last time. I got to do it again. And, and like you said, somebody who tries brand new, like, like Kit was just saying that. They, they go in there without having a care in the world. They're like, I don't care. I use this lure and, and it works. <laughs> and you and, and the people who quote unquote know everything about fishing are sitting there looking at them dumbfounded trying to figure out how they're going to get it on their hook without anyone calling their state on it too. <laughs> yeah. Like when you were talking about all those challenges that you don't really hear about um, as, as far as running a bait shop, I was just thinking like, man, like, so why, why do you, you know, what makes you get up every day and want to go through all that? There's wait, what brings you back to it? You know, we got a core group of people. I mean, a lot of them, you get to know a lot of people fairly friendly. I, I mean, you know, you, you got all these, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, one week friendships. Um, when guys are coming up there, you haven't seen them for a year and uh, they'll come up for their slot of vacation time, getting to know them and their kids and their, and their, um, you know, the wives and everyone else, just getting to know them, that, that friendship's always part of it. And, and I think the, the biggest driver for me is is just watching, you know, as a, you know I've, I'm a young father. I've got a 10-year-old, an 8-year-old, and a 5-year-old, a 4-year-old at home, you know, and I remember what it was like when I was young and grandpa could do no wrong, you know, because he's really the one that got me into it. And so much of it, what you see in the shop, you can relate to those people so much. When you see that little kid walk in that shop and he's going fishing with grandpa for the first time or, or dad's taking him out for the first time or whatever, you know, just watch that little spark in that kid's eyes. You know, they get about the size of dinner plates when they finally get to go fishing. That to me is the big thing is watching those young kids go out fishing. I mean, that's probably the most rewarding thing we have in the job is just watching those young kids get out and catch their first fish. You know, I don't know how many, Kids have got, I've seen pit cell phone pictures of bluegills. I don't know if the camera's going to do any justice, you know, about a four-inch bluegill. <laughs> and, and that kid, I mean, acts like had caught a 10,000-pound marlin on, you know, on a, a world-record marlin out in the ocean somewhere. Mm-hmm. 
but you know, the, just seeing those kids excitement, you know, and it's, you, you, I can still remember when I was that excited about it, you know, and, and just watching those kids that, that energy off those kids of just going out and fishing and just enjoying it is, is truly peaceful. You know, the group of people, the regulars we have, we've got a heck of a group of regulars that are definitely friends and, and uh, the banter back and forth between us, borderline sick and cruel. Um, <laughs> but you know, it's what keeps going. I, to some, on some of those really hard grind weeks, well, so and so freaking, he caught a limit of bluegills. How did he do that? Well, I'm not going to hear about him catching a freaking limit of bluegills and no one else doing it. So yeah. I'm going to get this figured out because I'm not going to hear about Jim or John or whoever it is waxing my butt and he's the only one who can figure it out. You know, and, and it's that banter back and forth with the guys that come in the shop right there. You know, we got 20, 30 guys that come in there and hang out and, and someone always stumbles across something. And they hold it over your head for the next two weeks until you get it figured out and, and just trying to get on top of them, I think. And that's a lot of it, too. Yeah. No, that's that's cool. I mean, like. I, I, I'm getting there because uh, my oldest daughter, she's seven and she's, she's turning eight next year, pretty soon here. My second one is turning six here in a couple of weeks. And you're right, man, just to see them catch those bluegills and the dude last year fishing kit took, took my daughter's, you know, ice fishing for the first time. Didn't even catch a fish. And yet they're so excited to go again this year. They didn't even catch it. We didn't even catch anything for whatever reason we were supposed to be on a hot pond, but we didn't catch anything. But, but like you said, they're just excited. They're like, this year, they can't wait for the ice. They're like, Dad, is it cold enough yet to go on, you know, the water? They really want to go ice fishing. And, um, you know, and, and and just like you're saying, seeing them catch a bluegill, my daughters love catching bluegills. And they're just like, just seeing that light in their eyes, you know, when they catch it. Oh, man, I can't I can't wait for them to catch it through the ice. That's That, that was our goal last year. It didn't happen. But this year, we're, we I got to get them to, to catch it through the ice because um, I, I want them to see w- what the enjoyment is why we enjoy it so much. So that's kind of cool to, to hear yeah. you say that. Well, the greatest thing with kids is they don't have expectations. They don't have yeah. preconceived notions that they're supposed to go out there and catch a limit of bluegills in two hours. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they don't know what a good day of fishing is until we ruin them. <laughs> and, you know, they can go out there and run around like a chicken with their head cut off. The technology we have nowadays with, with the ice shacks and the heaters and everything, you can keep them warm fairly easy. Yep. You know, and what I've always done with kids and when we're on bluegills, you know, we're fishing a good weed bed or something. I always lace the area with tip ups for pike up here. Mm. And those kids will run around, but if you watch them close until they catch their first pike, but after they catch their first pike on that tip up, they'll, they'll be running around playing kickball on the ice or who knows what little kids are doing on the ice or getting themselves ready to go to bed at night. But they'll always be eyeing for that tip up. Yeah, I mean, I remember my daughter's, she was about six or seven, first pike through the through the ice. We got a flag, and it was a slow day of fishing. And you know, you're supposed to take a tip up hand over hand and get them in that way. Well, somehow in the communication error, hand over hand turned into grab the line, put it over my shoulder, and run as hard as I can, <laughs> as fast as I can. And it ended up being about a 32-inch northern. Oh. And when it got to the edge of the hole, we only had an eight inch hole and there's no way that fish had any time to try to get lined up on that hole. And he hit that bottom of the ice with so much force, knocked him out, pulled the hooks right out. And then it became a comedy of errors watching three adults trying to gaff this pike below the hole that was stone cold stunned dead. <laughs> and the second she got that fish up, her eyes were just huge. And it was one of those really bad days of fishing. That was the only thing we caught all day but she told everybody in the world it was the best day fishing yeah now the adults are going god that was the worst day of fishing we've had all week (laughs) and the eyes of that six-year-old this is the best day ever you know you got to run out build a snowman and play kickball and she caught a fish almost as big as she was at the time you know and and she got to come home and we made fried the northern and she had homemade fish sticks and in the eyes of a six-year-old that was you know that was the best day ever and all the adults are bitching and pissing and moaning and whining and crying about how the bite sucked. But in the eyes of the kid, it was the best day of her life, you know? These, these kids, sometimes they can teach us a thing or two in regards to appreciation. So, oh, nope. Whole, I definitely agree with you on that one, Travis. Um, I wanted to know a little bit more about the IGLs. Uh, so, Iowa Great Lakes. I mean, it, it, it's well-known nationwide. 
to to a lot of anglers, um, a lot of fishermen. And what is it that draws ice fishermen and even open water during the season? What is it that draws people to the IGLs, to to Okaboji, to Spirit Lake, to all that? What what what's the uh, I guess you can say what is it that makes us always want to go there and fish? What's the the biggest thing there? The, the attraction. Well, the, the main three lakes and the Iowa Great Lakes for those who aren't familiar with it. The northern, um, kind of off the northeast is Big Spirit Lake. That's just the biggest bull you've ever seen. Great big bull lake. And that's kind of your traditional pothole kind of fishing. It's got 90% of it's a 20-foot mud flat. And that's predominantly a perch and walleye lake. Uh, it does have some good crappies in it. If you can find it, they're going to be big. It's got beautiful smallmouth. It's, uh, it's starting to get some pretty good uh, bluegill going to it, too. Then Spirit will drain into what's called East Lake. East Lake is almost like a river, but it's not. It's fairly narrow and long. The top half of East is fairly shallow. There's not much fishing happens in there except for early spring, late fall. Then it has a big basin complex with um, walleyes, crappies, bass, once in a while a perch, crappies. And then West is kind of the crown jewel of the whole thing. West is a very unique lake. Um, The amount of structure in that lake from inside turns, underwater points, rock reefs, is just phenomenal. You, if you look at the top of a map and you try to start picking that lake apart, you're going to need a 12-pack of beer before you get done because it's going to make your head explode. <laughs> uh, but the angling opportunities on that lake is, is just phenomenal. And the quality of fish on that lake is just incredible. I mean, there's big walleyes. Um, we hear about, you know, upper 20-inch walleye caught off that lake every year, not – a huge number of them but they're definitely there you know not you know eight nine ten inch bluegills mostly eight to nine inch bluegills is what we run on that lake wow. that are just thick and wide and they're very very tough everyone just thinks these bluegills are just a farm pond bluegill where you can use you know a giant treble hook and a huge chunk of night crawler and catch them that's not the west lake bluegill they're, they're a very challenging fish to catch um bass fishing on the west you know i've seen several bass tournaments where five bass a five largemouth bass stringer, you know, you need almost 25 pounds to win it. For wow. this far north, that's that's quality fish. A good friend of mine uh, missed, I can't remember the number, but he missed the state record smallmouth by an ounce, ounce or two. So over a seven-pound smallmouth. Wow. What wow. came off west, you know. Crappies, right now, they're nine to ten inches. I think you'd have, if you're going to go out and get a limit of crappies, they're going to be that nine to ten inch range. But I've seen several crappies maybe five or six this year uh white crappies that were over 14 inches um, you know and that's this far north that's a that's a big crappie and then we got yellow bass on the lake you know the ones you guys chase on the east those are typically about eight to nine inches last couple of years they've kind of been slid down to that seven to eight but if you can find them on west lake through the ice you can catch yellow bass if you're willing to work at it that is in that you're going to average 10 inch yellow bass, which doesn't sound like much, but a state qualifier for a master angler is 10 inches. Mm-hmm. And you can catch 30, 40 yellow bass in a day. And every single one of them is a master angler. Jeez. Wow. And that's a bite that, you know, I think a lot of it is there's just so much opportunity. If you're a bass guy, you know, go out there and chase the bass, but you got your kids along. Okay. Well, we'll go out in the morning and chase bass while mom and the, kids are out doing mom and kid things and when they come back in the boat in the afternoon we can go out and catch bluegills in foot of water and hauling a bluegill up out of 30 foot of water with four pound test and an ultralight is a struggle i mean those fish are hard to bring up that from that depth you know the perch fishing has been pretty good last couple of years the crappie fish is coming on strong it's just i think whatever you want to fish for whatever your style of fishing is there's pretty much something up here for about everybody. And it's not a six hour car ride cleared up north, you know, northern Minnesota or whatever. You know, you try to take a family up to northern Minnesota, you know, a good day of fishing is what, 10 walleyes? Or trying to take a family fishing on maybe 20 fish in a boat all day is tough. You can come to Iowa Great Lakes. You know, the true fisherman, he's got a store, he's got a chance to catch a giant, but he's also got the opportunity to take his kids mm. out and get something that, you know, I've, it's nothing. It's not even uncommon to take my three kids out in the morning, in the middle of summer, or if the bite's good in the wintertime, and catch a pile of panfish. When they're off doing whatever they're doing, goofing off, then I can go after my my trophy walleye in the wintertime, or or whatever it is. 
I just there's not that many areas that is that diverse that can handle everything a person needs. You know, the, the true angler can go chase the trophies and, and the kids can come up here or if you just want to have a guy's weekend and want to screw off and drink beer on the ice and have fun. <laughs> Not sounds like us. Happen. Sounds like us. <laughs> you know, plenty of opportunities for that too. I think that's what a lot of people draw. Mm-hmm. And the other thing on west is the visibility on that body of water is, you know, early spring this winter, this last winter, you could see down thirty foot. You could sight fish in oh, thirty foot of water. Wow. Nice. You know, which brings a whole new element of challenge to it. <laughs> but that's something that can't be done very many places around. And sight fish for bluegills, that's what draws a lot of people in the wintertime is the sight fishing for the gills. And they're big gills, hmm. and they're smart gills, and the challenge of it is what really does that. And I know a lot of people get frustrated with the gills, and they'll go up the spirit and chase the perch, or the crappies on the east, or the yellows on the east. But, but once again, I think we're coming back to that diversity. There's just so many opportunities. If you want to be adaptive to it, mm-hmm. a lot of people have success up here. Nice. No, that totally makes sense. So on that, speaking of a bunch of guys who like to drink beer, I'm going to grab, grab me another beer. You got another beer there, Travis? I only got one left. I think you busy butchering beer. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. How about you, Kit? I'm going to grab another one real quick here. Yeah, I'm going to grab a beer real quick. All right, I'm going to crack me another one here. I'm doing another Carol beer. I'm going to do the IPA. I might as well stick with the IPA, man. Oh, all right. I'm going to switch it up. I got a hop and das. I usually try to keep it simple, but I got a mango milkshake IPA. <laughs> I can see Travis. Travis like, dude, you, you got don't be don't be so damn pretty with your beer, right? <laughs> You're talking to the guy that's drank Bushlight. Well, I won't admit when I started drinking that, but uh, quite a while. We we gotta. I think if we swing when we swing by up there, Travis, we're gonna have to bring you some craft beer. Yeah. We could probably stop by Okaboji. Yeah, there's a there's a local brewery, um, West Okaboji Brew Company, West Oak, yeah. and uh, they've actually got quite a few really good beers. The Cocoa Stout, I know that's one that a lot of people really like. Is their Cocoa Stout? They're really famous for that one. Yeah, that's because uh, my brother-in-laws, because uh, I have a, all my in-laws that live in Denver, Colorado. And they, they even say that's one of because, you know, Denver's like beer capital of the U.S. pretty much. But they always say Okaboji Westo, Coco Stout, one of the best, you know, uh, stouts that they've ever had, too. So they definitely agree. And I agree, too. It's, it's pretty damn good. That brewery's good. So. All right, Travis. So you were naming off some species. And I noticed, well, a lot of my followers will know, but I am hardcore into catfishing. And there's uh, there's a. There's a fishery that's kind of underrated up at the IGLs, and that is the catfish. Because normally in Iowa, our channel cats don't get very big. I'd say a 10-pound channel cat would be big in Iowa. I have a group of friends that go up to the IGLs. I want to say it's west, but they can catch like 20-pound catfish. Can you speak on that at all? Uh, We see um, it's typically in the early spring. Right after ice out is when we start seeing the big ones get. There's six locals that I know of that target them. The biggest one I've held in my hands personally was, I want to say 30, 32 pounds, something like that. That was that was a very impressive fish. But they get targeted in the spring, typically using cut bait is what guys are doing. There's a handful of guys that have put a lot of time into it. They've they've all got kind of their little secret spots and where they fish for them, and they hold that really really tight to the chest. I, 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 the only photos I've ever seen are completely blurred out to where you don't have a chance of even seeing where that fish was caught at, but there's definitely, there's a, there's a healthy population of them. You hear about them getting caught accidentally all the time up there, especially in the fall when guys are trolling east for walleyes with lead core, running uh, crankbaits with lead core. If, if the bite's on and the guys are trolling hard in the east, you hear about a, you know, a 15, 20 pound channel cat getting caught once a week, twice a week, something like that. Um, biggest one I've caught to the ice has been 10, 15 pounds, completely by accident. I was targeting crappies, a Z-Viber, and, you know, two-pound test set up and a noodle rod, and we, we stuck a 10, 15-pound channel cat. And that was, again, on east. They're out there. It's, it's a species that doesn't get a lot of love, but we've got them out there. Just trying to target them is going to be tough. 
but there's guys that know a lot more about catfish than what I do. The, and I think the big hindrance on a lot of the cat, the guys targeting catfish now at Great Lakes is just the lack of access to shoreline. Pretty much everybody I know you have to use as a boat to get to the spots. And a lot of guys with these big, you know, fifty to $100,000 deep V walleye boats are not going to chase a channel cat. <laughs> um, they're not typically not very happy about getting one of those inside the boat um, just because of the mess they make and a 15 20 pound channel cat flopping all over the bottom of the boat's going to make a mess in a hurry i don't care what you do there's just no way to have that powerful of a fish not make a disaster out of your boat real quick oh man that's that's what i want i want to <laughs> see that <laughs> sorry we're, we're the bottom feeders <laughs> we, we like that stuff <laughs> I, every summer, my one of my you know day trips away is um, we. I got a buddy that's got a big uh, double white, double deep John boat with a subsurface drive on it. We chase flatheads every summer. Something about flatheads are probably my favorite species to target. I mean, they're big and they're mean, and they just when you get a big flathead on, you know it. Yeah. And you also know you're not in control of that fight for a good long while. The power those catfish have is just incredible. I mean, they will, they'll humble you in a hurry. And I mean, it wouldn't shock me in the next five years if we didn't have the state record catfish come out of the Okoboji chain. We're real down on water this year, so the current is not running through east like it normally is. That could be challenging for them. But almost indefinitely, you hear about somebody going out chasing the yellow bass out in the basin or trying at the evening for a walleye. Every year I hear about somebody accidentally catching a trophy-sized channel cat through the ice. It's just I don't think anyone puts the time and effort into trying to dial them in and figure it out, except for a handful of locals that they love chasing catfish, but they're living in the wrong part of the country, so they put the time into it. Cause, you know, like when I go flathead fishing with my buddy, it's two-and-a-half-hour trip one way, no matter which direction we go, northeast, west, or south. There's some trophy opportunities for channels up here in Naboji if you can put time and place into it. I know we've had two tournaments up here and they've both struggled at it. The one was a daytime tournament and all the locals just shook their head because they knew that wasn't going to work. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, you very, very rarely hear about a, a trophy catfish getting caught in the daytime up here. And I think part of the problem with a lot of these guys targeting catfish is there's just so much opportunity for those fish to eat. The one thing I hear over and over and over again is how fresh bait's got to be to fish up here. A lot of guys will go out and catch yellow bass in the morning er, two hours before they go for targeting the yellows. And if their bait's more than six hours old, they won't fish. And I think those yellow, those big cats, they've got such a, they're spoiled so bad, that they're not going to eat something that's four hours dead. They're going to eat something that's super fresh and if, well, if this piece of food doesn't taste just right, I'll swim another 20 feet and there'll be another piece of food. So no big deal. I think that's definitely an issue with our, with our catfish up here. I know West has got some on, on it too. Last summer I was pulling bouncers on West and I hooked into something big. And in all honesty, I never saw it. I had to use my electronic trolling motor to get over top of it. And I sat over that fish for 15 to 20 minutes and it just sucked into the bottom. And it didn't move, <laughs> um, you know, and I had 12 pound test and I, he broke off on a mud flat where there's no rocks, no nothing. And the only thing I've ever felt like that before in my life was when I was flathead fishing, when they pinned below the boat and they just dig into that mud and it's just, well, I know you got me hooked, but I know you ain't lifting me up. So just cut your line and get over with, but cause you're done. Wow. You know, and, but once again, the amount of it, you know, most of them come off east, and most of them, the big trophies we see get caught within that first three to four weeks after ice comes out. Um, a few of them get caught in June when they're starting to spawn, but a vast majority of what we see for the trophies is caught right after ice out. Gotcha. So not not much for uh, shore fishing catfish, though, right? You, mostly, like you're saying, you got to have the when the when the uh, spillway's going the the Little Sioux River around here. Mm-hmm. Um, which is what Iowa Great Lakes dumps into. There's some really good catfishing opportunities in that. Maybe a 10 to 15 pounder comes out of there that I know of. You don't see those big giants, so those 20 pounders, 30 pounders coming out like you do on east. The, there's one or two spots on east that you can fish from shore. 
So most of it's pretty much privately owned houses and the guys are going out in boats targeting those individual spots. Gotcha. Is what it is. People kayak up there a lot, kayak fish. Just curious because we uh, like to kayak fish. That's why. There's opportunities. There's some of the smaller lakes like Center okay. that you can do it on Minnewashta. You can do it on. On the weekends, you, you better have a good life insurance policy signed up. <laughs> there's 40 foot fiberglass pleasure boats with 500 horsepower pushing them. You know, and that, that wake is about enough to take my 19 foot lund to take water on that. Um, but if you're willing to get up really early in the morning, there is several groups of guys that uh, do go out and fish for bass from kayaks hmm. up there. But it's typically you're off the water by 8, 30, 9 o'clock. You burn the weeks better. Um, there's some other opportunities um, up around uh, anglers. Sometimes you can get out there on a calm wind. If the bass are up in the reeds, you can we always hear about big bass getting caught up in the reeds off frog fishing, which is always, there's not much more fun than frog fishing, mm. um, especially out of a kayak. And then some of the small, in early spring, before we get a lot of the influx of pleasure boaters, you know, before Memorial Day, when the water's too cold to go swimming and tubing, that's when a lot of the kayaks come up here. The Iowa kayak, I can't remember the term's name off the top of my head. They had a tournament up here and quite a few guys caught some nice fish. On West, you're limited to two accesses, um, and West is a very long lake. And then you kind of have to get creative from there on on how you're going to get in. Some guys are willing to carry their kayaks down. Some of these kayaks are getting so heavy that you really can't carry them down, too. If you got one of the big, heavy kayaks, you're pretty much limited to two spots. East, there's two different accesses on East, and there's a handful of accesses on Spirit. I've, I've, I used to fish out of a kayak quite a bit, and I've caught walleye out of kayak on spirit before. But a lot of it's early spring when the fish are up shallows when you're going to be limited to mm-hmm. uh, for kayak fishing or late in the fall when they're starting to push back up the shallows. And it's simply just you're, you can only cover so much water, and the amount of water you got to cover sometimes when those fish head offshore is either you really got to be mad at the fish in a kayak to cover that water <laughs> or you just wait to the time of year. Um, cause there's times in, in like my boat, you know, when I've got 150 horsepower pushing it, it takes me an hour to find fish. And I knew where they were at last week, let alone try to cover that distance in a kayak. But in the spring, they're going to be on these sets of docks. And if you can make it to those docks, you're going to find them. Then the same thing in the fall too. So if you're coming up here in a kayak early spring, late fall, that's kind of the time to target them. I guess, I guess I'm kind of a masochist because, uh, I, I do a lot of catfishing out of the kayak. I go down to Milford and chase those uh, blue catfish. And I'm thinking like, man, it would be so cool to catch a 20-pound channel catfish out of my kayak. That'd be a sleigh ride is what that would be. Yeah. Uh, He'd pull you for a long ways, I'd imagine. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be – if you can figure out how to get it done, let me know. I'll bring the six-pack and the bait. Yeah, because when you were talking about um the freshness of the bait, it reminded me of going down to to Milford and catching blue cats on on my kayak because the the number one bait is fresh uh white bass actually like I'll go out we'll go out either that morning or before we go out catfishing we'll go out catch white bass and then later that day or whatever we'll go out cut up those cut up those white bass that we just caught or we'll even while we're catfishing, we'll cast out another line and catch bait as we're fishing for cats. So that's what it kind of reminded me of when you're talking about, you know, the fresh bait for those big ch- channel cats up there. I was like, oh, I can kind of relate. I kind of did something similar to this with the blue cats down in Nailford. And the cat, the blue, the channel cats up here, a lot of people mistake them for a blue cat. Because mm-hmm. when they get that 15, 20 pound, they don't get spots on them anymore. They're just solid black. I get several reports every summer when they start putting blue cats in West. Or, you know, no, they're not a blue cat. They're a channel cat. Look at the forked tail. And <laughs> they're convinced they've caught a blue cat out of there. And then they have to show them that the fact that it's got a forked tail, so it's a it's a channel cat. Mm-hmm. But it actually, those, those big ones will actually resemble a blue cat as far as the color goes. Right. Yeah. That's my target, man. I, I want to catch a, a cat through the ice this year. We, I'm still, that's why I'm itching, man. I, I want to catch a, a catfish through the ice this year. That's my goal. So hopefully that happens and um, be kind of crazy if it happened up there, man. <laughs> I, I've never 
really hurt anybody going out and targeting them through the ice. Um, I'm sure it could be done, but I hear about them getting caught every year by accident. And it's always, <laughs> I mean, I, I've only done it once, but I tell you what, that was, I bet it took us a good 20, 30 minutes to get them through the hole. Jeez. I caught him in 18 foot of water and it was nothing to get him up to the hole. But the second he came to the top of the hole and figured out what was going on, 18 foot down, he went about a half a second. <laughs> I mean, just instantaneously down to the bottom. Man, and there was nothing you could do about it. It was that rodeo. Jeez. It takes you a minute, two minutes to get him back up. <laughs> top of the hole. Oh, I remember what's going on here. Boom, straight down the bottom. Man. And it was just like that over and over and over again. And after that, I put a lot of effort into it in my free time trying to figure out how to target them. Yeah, I got my butt handed to me. I mean, there was, <laughs> I never could figure that out. I was watching YouTube videos and, and trying to read everything about how to target cats. And, like, oh, I'm, that reminds me of this spot. I'd go out there and do everything I could to catch them. And, yeah, I just looked like an idiot is all I did. They've got to be out in the boji somewhere in some concentration. It's just figuring that piece of that puzzle out to get them to go. So, um, so ice fishing season's coming up. Super excited. What's um? I guess you can say you know what's the one thing that you're looking forward to this ice season? I guess you can say Travis. I mean, what's uh? Whether as a bait shop owner, whether as a a ice fisherman, or I mean, what are you looking forward to this ice season? What what's your is there a goal or what are you looking forward to? I, I'm really hoping the bluegills um, on West, you know, they've been real finicky. They were real, real tough last year. The numbers out there are phenomenal. The quality on them is just incredible. I'm really hoping that that bite goes because that, that bite could be a lot of fun if we can get them dialed in. And then the crappies. Um, we've got a huge boom of crappies coming out of the lakes. Um, that's kind of anyone that fishes with me knows how horrible of a crappie fisherman I am, especially through the ice. Um, <laughs> I really want to try to get that dialed in a little more. The big thing I struggle with is the upbite. You know, when that rod tip's loaded down and it all of a sudden goes straight, that means fish set the hook. And I'm always <laughs> about five seconds too late on it. And I don't know why. I mean, a bite's supposed to go down, not up, but crappies always go up. Yep, the upbite. <laughs> oh, I freaking hate it. If you ever see me on the ice scout and using profanity and language I'm not supposed to use in front of women and children, there's crappie around. I'll about guarantee it. And I'm trying to catch them, and I'm just looking like a fool. But uh, I'm really curious to see how those crappies that on east come along this winter. I'm really hoping we have a good bite on them because there's a, there's a lot of fish out there. And, and crappies through the ice, they can if you can get onto them, they can be a lot of fun to catch in a real quick hurry. And that's something that I'm looking forward to probably more than anything is to see if we can get the crappies dialed in. Okay. Uh, I got a, I got a question for you, Travis. So in the years that you've uh, been running the tackle shop, has there been anything that uh, like uh, any trends that caught you off guard or in like some, some like weird lure or piece of fishing tackle like, man, that isn't going to work. And then it turns out to be like, oh, man, that's like the next big thing. Every single year. I mean, it's it happens every single year. You, you, you go through like in the ice season, you know, in January and February and March when the reps are coming around showing you the new product. And you look at it and go, how drunk were you guys when you came up with this idea? Because that's never going to work. I'm not going to get any for the store. And all of a sudden – that stupid idea is catching fish hand over fist. <laughs> uh, I mean, the one that comes to mind is Wonder Bread for a jig. Uh. You know, I mean, <sighs> <laughs> I remember the first time I saw a Wonder Bread jig and I just go, what kind of cheap stuff are you smoking to think that color is going to work? And boy, I've, I've lived to eat my words on that one. Um, I mean, I've eaten the krill pie on that one pretty, pretty good. But it seems like every year there's it, there's always something that you look at it and you go, huh? <laughs> what? We're going to do what now? And then there's always the flip side of it. I get stuff in that I, God, that's going to be the best thing since sliced bread. And it doesn't work worth a crap. Um, you know, uh, that's what clearance bins are made for right there, folks. Um, <laughs> my failed idea is right there. Um, the, uh, the other one is... Uh, 
you know, the industry is very cyclical. What's old is new and what's new is old. Mm. You know, last year there was a lot of, um, if you guys know what I mean by a drop chain spoon. Yeah. And Iowa Great Lakes, they've always been a thing. A local lady, Bev Shuck, makes them for up here. But when I went through the trade show, seemed like every company had a drop chain spoon. And look at the latest, greatest, man. These are brand new for this year. And I'm looking, no, those have been out since the 80s. But <laughs> that was kind of that fad for that year. Is drop chain spoons, and now a lot of the companies are starting to drop them again. But in the Iowa Great Lakes, you're pretty much crazy if you don't have a handful of holes in your in your tackle box. But a lot of it's it's just progression, you know. It's ideas that everyone forgot about from five or ten years ago are now the newest, latest, greatest with different paint job on them or a little bit tw- different twist on them. But it's the same thing, you know. And there's always the weird ideas that come along. Probably the best one if you guys walleye fish at all a slow death hook where guys are trolling it. You know, it's a bent up, screwed up, jacked up hook that makes that night crawler just sit there and slowly spin in the water. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. How drunk was somebody when they came up with that? <laughs> I mean, that's the most wonky jacked up hook I've ever seen in my life, but that thing will catch fish. And it does it every year. And that's one of those things that I tie it on. I just kind of go, whatever, I'm just going to fish it. <laughs> um, you know we're spending money on hooks that are bent walky and screwed up but we're doing it um you know so i we see it every year i mean i there is not a season whether it's summer or winter that goes by that i miss the opportunity on a on a product or vice versa where i bring product in thinking man my kids are going to go to college on this one <laughs> and all of a sudden Six months later, it's in the clearance bin for half of what I bought it for. It just seems like it goes every year. And, you know, sometimes products that are working really good for fishing will actually catch fish, end up getting discontinued um, because they never took on. The one that comes to mind this year is is the Northland Mayfly, the plastic Northland Mayfly. It's one of the best-selling plastics we had in our store. It worked really good on bluegills. But it got discontinued just because it didn't work. It didn't work out for the company. That's the weird. That that's the gambling side of the industry is is trying to predict fads. Yeah, that's that that'll turn me old and great before I'm my time. <laughs> well, I guess it you know keeps things fresh. I guess in a way. I mean, oh well. <laughs> but yeah, it does. It keeps it interesting. That's for sure. Definitely. So, uh, oh man, it's been awesome, man, having you on. Uh, I. I Man, we've been talking for over an hour. Sorry, man, keeping you so late on that. But Fishing Kit, man, you got anything else for Travis? I mean, this has been uh, amazing getting me super psyched. Uh, can't wait to get up there to Okaboji this year. So I'm super excited, man. You got anything else for him? Uh, Yeah, Travis, you know, if people want to get a hold of you, you know, just throw out your social media. If you want have anything to announce, you know, what what's coming up for Stan's Bait and Tackle? So, I mean, the big thing is probably the easiest way to get a hold of us is through Facebook, Stan's Bait and Tackle. Typically, somewhere between Wednesday and Friday, depends on weather and everything else going on, we'll have either an ice report for the Iowa Great Lakes. Once we get 12 inches of ice, then it'll just be a fishing report. Fishing reports based off of actual scouting that we do on Wednesday. Typically, me and a couple other guys go out and we try to hit all three lakes, try to have a pretty good idea of what it is. If the bite sucks, I'll pretty much admit the bite sucks. If the bite's good, I will obviously try to announce that to the world. When we do ice reports, we'll do ice reports every Friday. From here on out, we'll have an ice report until the Iowa Great Lakes has 12 inches of ice. Mm -hmm. So if you're looking to come up, go through those videos. It'll give you a pretty good idea of what's going on up here. And it's going to be a pretty accurate information for everything that's going up. And that's probably... Some people are pretty comfortable fishing four inches of ice. Other people are scared to death fish four inches of ice. Mm-hmm. That's a good way to judge what your own personal limitations are because that's how we give the ice reports is we just go around. We'll drill four or five boat ramps on Spirit, four or five boat ramps on West, and similar with East. So there's an actual measurement of what you're comfortable on. And that's the big thing I'd recommend the guys coming up to Boji for fishing is to pay attention to the fa- our Facebook page and that'll get you up to speed real quick 
Perfect, man. That's that's awesome, man. Thank you so much uh, for your time and your knowledge, Travis. And uh, I know Fishing Kids is definitely going to put your link, uh, everything from your Facebook, everything on this um, podcast episode and everything. And um, yeah, make sure you guys follow, you know, Stan's Bait and Tackle and get up there, support local, swing by the bait shop. Um, I, I, I think one of those things you guys both have mentioned, you know, fresh bait is always the best bait. So swing by there before you guys get on the ice, swing by there, e- even during open water season, swing by there before you guys get out there. Um, but I, I can't wait to get up there, man. I'm super excited. Haven't, haven't gotten a chance to get up to Okoboji in a while. So it, it's been a year. So we, we got to get up there, Kit. Yeah. We missed out last season, but yeah, three or four seasons in a row, we were going up there. Yeah, so we're, we're going to make that happen again this year. We'll swing by there, Stan, and uh, uh, we'll cheers with you, you know, face-to-face, maybe six feet apart still. We'll see how that sh- stuff <laughs> we'll, see, we'll see how that stuff is still going. But other than that, man, thank you so much, Travis. I, I do appreciate this, and uh, I can't wait to get up there and see you, man. Nope, appreciate it. It's fun talking to you guys. Awesome. Mm-hmm.